Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Great America podcast with Lou Dobbs, always in the fight for truth, justice, and yes, our American way of life. And now here he is, the Peabody award-winning voice of truth, the great Lou Dobbs. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Great America Show. Delighted to have you with us and grateful for the time you spend with us. Many of us spent some time over our weekends watching, reading, listening to primarily corporate media for the latest news or even propaganda coming out of Ukraine or out of Germany from the Munich Security Conference. The Munich Conference is an annual affair usually well attended by important or just self-important government officials and leaders. With Russia threatening to invade Ukraine, the conference was well-timed to say the least and featured speeches by Ukraine President uh, Vladimir Zelensky and U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris. Zelensky used his speech to gently skewer the feckless Europeans and the United States for their illogic in refusing to sanction Russia for even the threat of invading his country, waiting instead until after the invasion, if it does indeed take place, to sanction Russia. Zelensky implored the West to do more. He alone seemed to understand full well the only effective deterrent against totalitarian nations and their leaders is force, raising the price of pursuing their ambitions and aggression to unacceptably painful and costly levels. It was clear to all that Europe has no appetite to respond meaningfully to Putin with the exception of Vice President Harris, who took the stage to declare her confidence that the U.S. sanctions would work, would actually stop Putin from invading Ukraine. The audience was stunned after she and Biden had declared previously that Putin's invasion is imminent. The audience, still stunned, but now cringing at yet another display of the vice president's inexperience, lack of knowledge, or worse. Meanwhile, with the Russian invasion forces now only a few miles from the Ukraine border, we hear from the White House that President Biden has agreed, in principle only, mind you, to meet with Vladimir Putin at a summit with French President Macron. There is a catch, however. President Biden will meet with Putin only if he hasn't invaded Ukraine by Thursday. I've heard a lot of interesting uh, conditions preceding in my career, but I have to tell you, this is one of the most absurd. A peace summit, but only if there isn't war. Quite remarkable by any standard. Against that backdrop, the communist Chinese announced they will buy 100 million metric tons of Russian coal, that they will be a fully supportive partner in their new strategic alliance with Russia, announced in just the first few days of the Beijing Olympics. Russia and China, a formidable bloc, a formidable foe geopolitically and militarily. 
With us now, one of the brightest geopolitical analysts, I think the preeminent national security analyst, Gordon Chang, a great American, and we appreciate, Gordon, you being with us to go through all that is swirling in Moscow and Kiev and Beijing and Washington. Hello, Gordon. Hello, Lou, and thank you so much. Well, it's great to great of you to take time to be with us, and we have much to talk about. Let's start first with the White House offer in principle, mind you, <laughs> in principle only, uh, to meet with Putin and French President Macron uh, at a peace summit uh, to be held Thursday, ostensibly at least. Uh, what do you make of it and the immediate response from, uh, from the Kremlin saying that they, as of this moment, there is no such plan? What is going on? Yeah, I don't know, Lou, um, but when I first heard of this, I thought of Munich in 1938, when you had Neville Chamberlain going uh, to the Third Reich to talk to Herr Hitler. Um, there's a whiff of uh, maybe even a stench of appeasement here. I think that the president of the United States knows enough. He's talked to Putin enough. They had their video conference just a few days ago. I think at this point, it's important for the United States to state its position and to impose those sanctions that uh, it has been talking about. Because, you know, when Biden says that an invasion will occur, then it means that we need to put the sanctions on. We don't need to wait after people are being killed. And so, therefore, I think that essentially the Biden team has got things backwards and there are going to be horrible consequences for this misguided approach to Putin. When Zelensky, President Zelensky of Ukraine, uh, stands before the Munich Security Conference and basically calls out, not basically, he did, he called everyone out, uh, the United States, Europe, NATO, and said, what are you doing? I need sanctions now, not after, you know, we are, a, you know, a, a devastated heap of brick and, and, and smoldering uh, wood uh, across Ukraine. Uh, he makes all the sense in the world. And frankly, the, the powers, NATO, the European Union, and the United States look like absolute fools. Yes. And you got to remember that um, um, there's a, something called the Budapest Memorandum signed in 1994 by the United States, Russia, Great Britain, and Ukraine, in which um, all of us agreed not to violate Ukraine's borders. Well, Russia's already done that. In 2014, during the Obama administration, when someone named Biden was vice president, Putin annexed Crimea from Ukraine. He also took Donbass, the eastern portion of Ukraine. And right. that's a violation of the Budapest Memorandum. When we signed that, and we got substantial benefits by signing it, Lou, because we got Ukraine to give up its nuclear arsenal, um, the United States gave assurances to Ukraine that we would impose costs on Russia and we would prevent the Russians from dismembering Ukraine. Now, this already occurred. This is not just like 2022 is the first event in history. And so uh, Biden needs to remember that the United States made a solemn commitment. This solemn commitment resulted in great benefits for the United States. And it's now our part to keep our word. Yes, and we're only eight years uh, tardy in doing so, because the Obama administration, uh, whether it is the Budapest Memorandum, whether it is the Monroe Doctrine, uh, they effectively uh, made all of those inoperable 
because they didn't in any way uh, adhere uh, to the agreements or to the traditions uh, of U.S. Uh, influence and uh, its traditional role in uh, European security. This, they sound fatuous at these conferences. They uh, look silly as they uh, jet about doing some version of shuttle. I, I don't know if you'd call it shuttle diplomacy or if it's just simply they're all jet lagged and don't know where the next, uh, their next destination is. Putin, meanwhile, sits at the Kremlin and the long table and, uh, and, and waves uh, you know, at his troops that are now ready to go in uh, you know, full steam ahead. I, I just cannot understand why the United States has been so meek, the Europeans so effete, uh, and because they've done this before and you, and you referred to it, uh, 1938, 1939, uh, appeasement, appeasement, appeasement. You just don't do that in response to totalitarian demands or aggressions. Yes, and we got to remember that Biden actually talked to Putin um, last year. And after that, uh, the United States started to slow walk a number of security measures, some of them involving Ukraine. And that, I think, signaled to Putin that the Biden administration was not going to effectively oppose him. What's occurred um, is that if you look back at the Trump administration, there were many critics of Trump-Russia policy. But as we looked at, at this in context, what we see is that uh, President Trump kept the peace. He kept everyone out of war. He deterred Vladimir Putin. What we are seeing now, according to the Biden administration, which says that Russia will invade, is the complete failure of deterrence in the Biden term. And this is very, very much reminiscent of uh, Obama policies toward Putin. So uh, we've got an approach that is now being used by the White House, which hasn't worked. And I think they need to go back to the Trump playbook to see what can. Though, of course, at this point, it's a very late date. And I think a spiral has occurred. And that spiral will involve not just conflict in Eastern Europe, but the Chinese are looking at this very closely. And I think that they are going to become even more aggressive and provocative along their southern and eastern peripheries. I'm, I'm going to approach this, if I may, just if I may, uh, with just a, a question that, that's the inverse of what everyone at Munich were talking about. Where does where does Putin stop if he does invade Ukraine? Because I don't see any reason for him to stop. Quite literally, all of Europe is before him and within his grasp if he is not met. Uh, uh, on, on the borders of Ukraine. Absolutely right. You know, we go back to 2008 um, and um, George uh, W. Bush allowed Putin to break apart Georgia. Um, that was a lesson that Putin took when he then broke apart Ukraine in 2014. It's clear that uh, if Putin takes Ukraine, he's not going to stop. Um, he wants the Baltics. He's been very clear about that. The three Baltic republics are part of NATO. And that sets up a conflict with the United States because of our obligations to guarantee the sovereignty and the borders of all NATO states. So um, you're absolutely right. Um, Putin looks at his near abroad, as he calls it, mm -hmm. and he could move uh, all the way to the Atlantic. I don't think that he would do that. But nonetheless, 
There have been a lot of events recently in Europe that I thought were incomprehensible just a couple months ago. And what has been incomprehensible has now turned probable. I've been talking about what is a de facto annexation that is already in place. That, and I, I will tell you, I'm, I remain skeptical that Putin will uh, go in to Ukraine. But I, you have to take the man at his word. That's, that is his obvious intent. But right now, with 30,000 plus Russian troops in Belarus, with uh, brigades in Moldova, uh, in Moldova, uh, we we're looking at an encirclement here that is all but uh, complete. It's certainly complete on Ukraine's easternmost borders. What in the world has been had the NATO alliance or? Uh, President Biden recently bragged recently Friday's news conference, if that's what it was, uh, saying basically that, uh, you know, uh, he, whatever he, you want, you can have because we're just not going to play this time. I, I mean, he, he bragged about the the I think he put it significant intelligence capability, which is how he knew there was an imminent invasion and spoke of it endlessly last week and it continues this week uh, what in the world a, a significant intelligence capability would have had this country uh, on its forward uh, feet uh, to deal with it years ago where has the intelligence community been yes and to that question we should ask where was the intel community on afghanistan um, clearly, um, the Biden team did not think Afghanistan would collapse in such a short period. And there also was a, not only a failure of intelligence, but it was also a failure of the Biden team to understand intelligence, to look at the situation, and of course, to put this in the context of history. That failure has emboldened the Chinese. And we don't have to speculate, Lou, because we see what China said as Afghanistan was falling. And we can see what Putin is doing right now, which I think is a direct result of the chaotic withdrawal from Afghanistan. So we have a foreign policy which is in collapse. And Americans got to understand um, this is not something that is happening in just Europe, because if Putin invades and when Biden then imposes the sanctions, it's clear that Putin is going to again uh, cyber attack the United States. And Newberger, the direct, the deputy national security advisor, was talking about this about three or four days ago. And even in peace times, the Russians hacked the colonial pipeline. Um, this time, they'll probably go after the grid. Um, this gets serious. And by the way, Lou, Russia at this moment is involved in a nuclear weapons exercise. Right. So it's clear that that's a message not only to Ukraine, not only to NATO but to the United States and the international community. No scenarios can be kept off the table at this time. And do you know what should be very clear to Putin? That he is going conducting nuclear exercises, and that includes the launch of missiles, and I assume uh, there will be a hypersonic missile launch just as he did uh, last year uh, within that. Uh, he has uh, sent uh, aircraft with hypersonic missiles uh, through the uh, Mediterranean. Uh, the skies over the Mediterranean uh, to display his power. But what is, to me, formidably uh, <laughs> present is that the United States did not take our 
nuclear defenses to any higher level of alert. There's no no DEFCON uh, increase here to suggest that we're taking them seriously. None by the Europeans. This is really troubling that he can get this far with his aggressive moves and with his obvious stated ambitions. I, again, I see no limit to what the man uh, is doing right now because we have a weak, a, a feeble leader who is so far out of his depth and ca capacity physically and mentally that I am, uh, you know, I am dreading uh, uh, the possibilities. Yeah. Remember uh, when Putin, I'm sorry, when uh, Biden went to Europe for his trip, uh, attending various conferences, he landed at an RAF base in England and talked about how climate change was the world's number one national security threat. Um, this is a person who just does not understand the world. And I absolutely agree with you. The United States should be taking its military forces around the world to higher levels of readiness, because at this particular time, it's not just the problems in Europe, but we can also see problems in Asia, um, which means that we are now at the stage where we have to deter not just an invasion of Ukraine, but the start of global conflict. So what are we to make of the de facto annexation of Belarus, uh, Estonia, Lithuania are right there for uh, all, all Putin has to do is just simply reach out and there. It is, again, a de facto annexation. Uh, Moldova, the same situation, Russian troops present, they're not leaving. Uh, this is without question uh, an expansion, a westward expansion of Russia. Uh, an extension of its borders, and there is no limit right now. What is the United States to do? The first thing is that uh, as President Biden has talked about a series of sanctions, if there were an invasion, those sanctions should be put in place immediately. Um, Biden himself said that Putin has made the decision to invade. Well, if that's the way the president feels, then, then why are we waiting to impose the sanctions? So right. that's the first thing. Um, I, think, the second I think Zelensky had that right uh, about if you're going to do it. What I think he has wrong and what I think Biden has wrong, and indeed uh, the European Union, uh, along with the United States, sanctions do not hurt Vladimir Putin. Sanctions do not deter Vladimir Putin. And the alliance that has been created between China and Russia means that no matter what the United States does, Russia will have access to financial markets, to commercial banking, uh, to uh, all of the uh, natural resources they need, 100 million metric tons of coal. Uh, they're already buying uh, huge amounts of coal from Russia. Uh, it goes on. And if, if, <laughs> if Russia needs financing, who better to go to than the Chinese? The, this idea of sanctions is so outmoded, so uh, so ineffective that is that it's impossible for us to think that this will in any way uh, be a, a a replacement or uh, supersede the need for force because it just will not. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Uh, sanctions are are part of a integrated program, and also we've never imposed. Well, wait, 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 I'm sorry. Let, let me interrupt. Integrated with what? 
This administration can't carry more than one idea at a time in its portfolio that it, uh, when it goes into a, a, a diplomatic meeting. Uh, this is a hapless group, and we've got to be honest about it. And the threats, the geopolitical threats, I think, Gordon, uh, make it all the more important that we be candid, we be honest, we be straightforward about our limitations, our inability, our incapacities, as well as our capacities. Yeah, the, the second part of that um, would be, as you were talking about, is going after China, because China's made it very clear that they are supporting Putin. Matter of fact, Putin got a big green light on February 4th when he met with Xi Jinping just before the opening ceremony of right. the Olympics, and where they issued that very long communique, which made it clear that they had what they called a no-limits partnership where no area of cooperation was forbidden, was stronger than an alliance. But more important, um, Putin announced $117.5 billion in oil and gas sales to China. And when you now add, as you just talked about, the 100 million metric tons of coal, in addition to all their existing uh, economic relations, we have to understand that we're facing not just Russia, we are facing a block of Russia and China. For our own reasons, because of what China is doing to attack the United States, we should be cutting our economic ties with China. We should be cutting our technical cooperation, investment, and all the rest of it, because China is trying to destroy the United States, which, of course, is another conversation. But the point is, as you say, the Biden team needs to see this in the broader context of a Russia and China partnership that is intending to um, yeah. end peace and stability as we know it to get rid of the Westphalian international order and replace it with their rule. And that means this is going to be a world which resembles the dark ages. We cannot permit that. And the Biden team doesn't see the challenge. Yeah, well, uh, going back to 400 to 600 AD uh, is, is unacceptable for the United States and uh, it should be for all of our allies. The, the, the dark ages you speak of, are already, I mean, we're seeing a dimming of the light uh, in, in this country and Canada. We're seeing totalitarian assert itself uh, in, in world leaders, whether they're in uh, the European Union, whether uh, it's uh, Prime Minister Trudeau in Canada, uh, or President Biden in the United States and his administration that is so committed to Marxist uh, initiatives and, and policies. We have to understand that we have a significant threat within uh, this country right now. Uh, the presence of communist Chinese front companies, agents, and uh, in our universities to, to, our, to our very government. And we've got to deal with that reality. And there seems to be this insistence on denial uh, that could be fatal uh, to this country. And, and in addition to all that, Lou, We've got the self-hatred, which is being promoted by um, President Biden. On his first day in office, he issued his executive order on xenophobia, yeah. um, which is, and he's, he's done, um, issued similar orders and um, authorized similar acts since then, um, which is, um, to me, it, to, to me, you, you can't hate the country that you are elected to lead. And that is exactly what Biden is doing. And he is not defending ourselves from the Chinese. Um, China has made it very clear that they intend to overthrow the government of the United States. 
And Biden is not willing to see that. And so therefore, he's not willing to take the measures that are necessary to protect the American Republic. His first obligation as president, it, it's over all others, is to defend the United States from foreign attack. And Biden has decided not to do that. If he doesn't want to do that, that's fine, but he shouldn't be in the Oval Office. If he's yeah. going to stay in the Oval Office, he needs to defend America. He's not been doing that. And he's been do doing it. Uh, it's very clear now with the, you know, your analysis, uh, the reporting of, uh, you know, uh, of a host of terrific authors, uh, Peter Schweizer, I think, chief among them. Uh, talking about the money that the Biden family has received from Chinese interests, the association with Chinese top Chinese intelligence officers, uh, and of course his good friend President Xi, uh, President Biden's good friend, it is deeply troubling. And to watch the relationship between Wall Street, where you see almost daily the invitation and promotion by Wall Street firms to send your investment dollars to to China for crying out loud. Uh, each company aligned with, uh, if not uh, a part of, the PLA and the Chinese government. It, it's, it is ridiculous, the level of uh, just denial in this country about what is happening before our very eyes. Absolutely. What we see is, for instance, Ray Dalio, um, you know, prominent hedge fund investor, talk up China, um, say that the United States is finished, um, these are the leading voices on Wall Street right now, and he's by no means the only one. Um, we see in the financial community people like Charlie Munger saying what great things the Communist Party has been doing. Um, this is just wrong. Uh, and the American people understand this. We have an election coming up in November, which is critical because we could lose our country. And we've got an election coming up in 2024. We've got to take back our country from elements here who have been totally corrupted by communist China. And, and by the way, since we're talking about Hunter Biden um, and the great work that Peter Schweitzer has been doing, let's remember that Hunter Biden by his own admission is a troubled individual. He's been on Chinese soil. And if he's ever engaged in a compromising act, China's Ministry of State Security will have evidence of that. And the thing that I'm concerned about most, Lou, is that China will use um, blackmail against uh, the president of the United States relating to the conduct of his son. And that we may never know about. Mm -hmm. So it is not just the money trail. It's also what Hunter Biden probably did uh, inside China. It's interesting, too, that the Democratic Party has not taken responsibility or own ownership of, of the Biden presidency because to put forward such a weak uh, and, and tired and uh, I, for all I know, uh, ill person. Uh, he is a man of no energy. He is a man incapable of finishing sentences. He is a man incapable of a demanding schedule. And we are now facing a, a severe test, I believe, for this country. And we have a, you know, Donald Rumsfeld used to say, you go to war with the army you have, not the one you necessarily want. Uh, the same can be said of commanders in chief. Certainly this is not the commander in chief that I would choose if we are to go to war. And, and, and frankly, the generals and the admirals of the Pentagon, I mean, they are such colossal failures and inept bureaucrats before they are so, uh, warriors 
Uh, it's we are in a terrible, terrible state in this country, and it's because we continue to refuse to see uh, what's before us. Millie, uh, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, uh, going to China, uh, calling China up, uh, his counterparts to say, you know, President Trump just might uh, launch an attack, but if but if he does. You'll be the first I call, said the chief military advisor to the president of the United States. And there is no consequence except other than for him to also now be the chief advisor to Joe Biden. Your, your thoughts? Yeah, what General Milley did was treasonous. Um, remember, it's, it's also we, we've got a constitution which if someone like Milley believes that the president of the United States is not capable of serving as commander in chief, there's a constitutional provision. Uh, Milley decided that uh, he was going to abrogate the Constitution. Also, uh, what Milley did, I think, apart from the constitutional issues and apart from the treason of all, all of this, it was extremely ill-advised because I think that it uh, hurt the United States um, with regard to China because Milley did not understand the effect of his words on China, which is a whole nother conversation. But obviously, that's a minor issue in comparison to the constitutional issues that Milley's conduct raised. And he should not be serving as um, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. And by the way, Lou, while we're on that topic, we do have a military which now is not effective. Um, it is now we've seen what uh, Biden has done to undermine our ability to wage wars. This is a serious issue. We don't have the military that we did four years ago. Yeah, the only person I've seen be held accountable for any, anything was the Marine Lieutenant Colonel who wanted accountability on the part of his superiors for the disaster that was Afghanistan. Uh, we have seen no one held to account. We've seen the Army produce a report uh, that uh, laid the blame squarely on a White House that was indecisive and contradictory in its orders and, uh, and requests. Uh, of the uh, you know of the military in that uh, surrender i call it a surrender because it was more surrender than withdrawal and they they couldn't even get that right uh, so we are in um we're in one heck of a position historically uh, i don't know that there's ever been a point in the united in us history in modern us history in which our military our civilian leadership has been more suspect in terms of its, its capacity, uh, its intelligence, its commitment to this nation. And it's straightforwardly there again, staring us straight in the face. And our politicians are not responding to it because they are part of the same malaise that grips uh, the civilian and military leadership uh, in this country. Absolutely, Lou. Um you know, people used to say um, or still say that Biden's the worst president in U.S. history. And I always said, oh, no, no, you don't know. James Buchanan is, is definitely the worst. I'm starting to change my view about that. I think Biden is actually worse than James Buchanan um, because this is someone at least James Buchanan loved the United States. Um, yeah. I'm not sure about Biden um, and the way that he has acted and the way that he has governed. It is just. Um, indescribable. It truly is. I, I, I want to turn very quickly to what should be our response to the to the Chinese as part of the of the axis between uh, Moscow and uh, 
Beijing, what should be our, our posture, our reaction? And why don't we have a doctrine that is publicly uh, available so that we know uh, what our military will do given certain specific threats? Because it's the first time that I know of that we have a seriously uh, challenged military. You have to go back to the era of the Soviet Union to, to find anything approaching this level of threat. And yet, yet we knew what the doctrine was, uh, uh, whether it be nuclear, whether it be conventional uh, uh, weapons. We know nothing about what the military is planning, our national security apparatus, what it's planning and thinking. My context for all of this is that apart from Ukraine and apart from China's relations with uh, Moscow, the United States needs to end trade, end investment, and end technical cooperation with China for reasons that China has been attacking the United States and that it's been attacking with coronavirus, with fentanyl, with uh, the theft of our intellectual property across the board. But just in the context of Ukraine, um, I believe that the president of the United States must state publicly that it will hold China accountable the same way it holds Russia accountable for whatever Russia does in Eastern Europe. Yeah. China has made it very clear that they're backing Putin to the hilt. They are um, not only rhetorically, but also we see, of course, with these oil and gas and coal deals, um, it's time for the United States to make that plain in public that we do hold China accountable for Russia's actions. I think that the, to hold China accountable for Russia's actions, we first have to hold China accountable for its actions. Uh, remember, Absolutely. five million people have been killed by the China virus. Uh, we have a we have a we have governments all over the world who refuse to call it a China virus or the Wuhan virus, although they know full well that's where it originated. They also know full well that President Xi, as you and I have discussed, knew full well that he was unleashing on an unsuspecting world a deadly virus that would take lives and that would infect millions and millions of people around the world. Not a single government even intimated that they should be held uh, accountable, the Chinese, for the moral equivalent of murder. Uh, we have right now a, a, a feckless uh, world leadership that wants to have global government. I, if this doesn't dissuade anyone in their right mind from that possibility, that thought, that ambition, I don't know what would. Yes. As of today, we have about 945,000 Americans that have been killed by coronavirus. Each one of those deaths should be considered a murder. And the reason is that Xi Jinping lied about contagiousness of this disease. They knew that coronavirus was highly transmissible human to human. They told the world it was not. That lulled public health officials around the world into not taking precautions. And in addition, while they were locking down their own country, in other words, telling the world they thought lockdowns were effective, they were pressuring other countries, including the United States, not to impose travel restrictions and quarantines on arrivals from China. And it was those arrivals who took a disease that should have been confined to Wuhan and the central parts of China and made it a global pandemic. This was a murder. This is 5.9 million people outside of China have been killed by this disease. Each one of those 5.9 million deaths is a murder. 
absolutely. And what we have to do is uh, hope that this country comes to its senses. And I'm talking about everyone listening to this, uh, this podcast, to everyone uh, of their families, uh, because the American people are going to have to find the energy uh, and the, uh, the compelling need to make certain that our elected officials move in the national interest. There's something called America First. Uh, they heard of uh, a couple of years ago. We don't hear that anymore, but we must put America first. That doesn't mean America only, but it does mean America first. And our national leadership has already forgotten the Trump lessons of 2016 to 2020. Uh, hopefully uh, we can uh, change the, the leadership. Uh, maybe we can even, even get Donald Trump back in the White House. But right now, the lessons of America first should be uh, at the forefront of most people's thinking on every geopolitical issue uh, that we uh, we confront. Gordon, uh, you always get the last word on this show, and I will defer to you now and say thanks for being with us, and please take it away. Lou, um, we don't have a president who understands the nature of the challenge from China. He won't call China an adversary. Uh, he mostly say is a competitor. Well, China has no problem calling us an enemy. In May 2019, People's Daily, which is official, it is the most authoritative publication in China, declared a people's war on the United States. So we can lose our republic. We're a far stronger country than China um, on almost every metric. But we can lose our country because we don't have a president who is defending us. So this is not just a question of not America first. This is a question of America last. This is a question of America not defending itself. Lou, you from the very beginning, you were the first person to talk about this, red China, red storm rising. The world needs to turn to you now because if we don't, we are going to end up in a position of the dark ages. And although most people think that that is an exaggeration, we can see where the world is trending and I don't see anything stopping it. Um, so clearly, we need to start defending ourselves. Amen, brother. We appreciate it. Gordon, as always, thank you for being with us. We thank you for your insight, uh, your perspectives, uh, and uh, come back soon, would you please? It's been far too long. Uh, Gordon Chang, great American, great friend. Thanks so much. We want to invite you to sign up for our Great America Show Advisory and Newsletter. Simply go to loudobs.com, that's loudobs.com, and click on the email newsletter button. It's as simple as that. And we'll send you our advisories and alerts as well as our weekly newsletter. I don't want to overstate anything, but I'm pretty sure you will absolutely sense at least a small positive change in your world outlook. We invite you to join us and stay in touch. Thank you. That's loudobs.com. Thanks, God bless you, and God bless America. want to thank you for being with us, for sharing part of your day with us, as always, for all your support and making this show, The Great America Show, a top-rated podcast. And I have to tell you, I'm enjoying this show like none other. We put our mission statement straight out there. We're all about this great nation, our great Americans, and that means you and all who care about America, who believe wholeheartedly in truth, justice, the American way. That's you and me, us. 
And those who don't like our pride in this great country, uh, they just, well, I, I've got a message for them. Just take the devil and the hindmost. This isn't the time for patriots to step back or step aside. Too many Americans have done just that in the face of the Marxist left's full-on assault on our country's founding values, their attack on our character, our beliefs, our nation. And they've hurt too many folks. They've done too much damage to this country, to our institutions, and it is time for all of us to stand up especially so with President Biden presiding over the calamity that is his presidency. We know what he is. We know what he and the radical Dems, the Marxist left, have done to all of us, to this great country, and what they mean to do. Whether it's Biden's embrace of President Xi Jinping or cowering before President Putin, this White House is creating great danger for America, even the world, and he is lost as a man and as a leader. We'll be taking up these issues and more with Senator Tommy Tuberville today. He's been to Ukraine, he's talked with President Zelensky, and he's called on President Biden to act against Russian aggression. And Senator Tuberville is concerned that our military civilian leadership and top Pentagon leaders don't have our forces combat ready. We're pleased to welcome back to The Great America Show now, Senator Tommy Tuberville. Senator Tuberville, great to have you with us here on The Great America Show. Uh, it's always good to talk with you. We're delighted to see you. And we know you've got uh, a busy schedule ahead uh, of you. We also know that you are uh, significantly involved in what is going on. You've been to Ukraine. Uh, you've talked uh, with President Zelensky. Uh, there is so much unwinding right now. Uh, in the face of a threatened invasion of Ukraine. What are your thoughts about the prospects? Well, flawed decisions lead to failed outcomes. And uh, we saw this during Afghanistan, it was poorly organized, poorly thought of. And now we're going into the same situation, Lou, with uh, Ukraine. I mean, this hadn't just started now. This has been going for several years where they came in and taken over Crimea, Russia, I'm talking about. And then They've changed the government in Belarus. Uh, they've taken over a little bit of the eastern part of the country in Ukraine. And uh, uh, there's been thousands of people in Ukraine that have been shot and killed by snipers coming from the Russian side. So they've been in a little bit of a civil war, but it looks like uh, uh, Putin wants something. I mean, he's got his hand out and he's looking for some kind of uh, stance on NATO when it comes to Ukraine. He's looking for uh, Nord Stream 2 pipeline to be 100% uh, efficient and you just get out of my way. Uh, you know, they're one, they're a one trick pony in Russia. They, all they got is energy. They got gas and oil and that's how they pump their economy up. And they know if we shut that down, then they've got huge problems, but we have not done anything in terms of sanctions. Uh, I went to see, as you said, uh, Zelensky a, a few months ago and president there said, listen, I don't coach. I don't want people on the ground from America. I just need, need some help. And we've given him a little bit of help, but he wanted sanctions too. And we should have put those on back in the summer. Uh, we should have let Putin really know how it was going to be. And, uh, we didn't do it. We've drug our feet. And, uh, I guess they, they were more busy over here. The Democrats more busy in running our economy into the ground and uh, want to make sure they got that done before, before they got us into another mess, like they're getting us into with, Russia, but uh, it, it's it's a huge problem, Lou. We we've got huge problems, and only one guy knows who's uh, who's going to uh, uh, make the decision here, and his name is Vladimir Putin. 
Yeah, and you're uh, and I understand you're headed to Munich uh, for meetings. Uh, tell us uh, what your schedule is to, to the degree you can and what the subjects will be. Yeah, we're leaving this afternoon. There's about 15 of us uh, senators leaving. We're going to the National Security Conference in Munich. Uh, it's a yearly deal, but it's really big this year. I think even uh, we, we, we've got some of the administration going over. Uh, but uh, there will be uh, lots of talk about Ukraine. There's lots of talk about Russia. Uh, there'll be a lot of talk about space. Uh, there's going to be a lot of talk about, obviously, nuclear uh, with the hypersonic missile being uh, uh, tested by China not too long ago. There's a lot of things on the table. I mean, we, we, we got more problems than we could ever imagine. But for some unknown reason, uh, the Democrats are over here just trying to run our country into the ground uh, uh, before they even look into any of these other problems. But as Republicans, we're going to do our due diligence and try to hold the rope and don't let go of it and uh, keep our country as safe as we possibly can. The, the Marxist left has uh, in, in this country, uh, and I'll call the Democratic Party whatever it wants to be called, but I'm also going to call them what I believe they are. Uh, they have become full-on radical Dems. They are the Marxist left. They're attacking this country's most cherished institutions, attacking our founding values. Uh, and they are, are either through uh, malfeasance or utter uh, sins of omission, not protecting this country, not protecting our borders, for example. I can't imagine a conference, frankly, in this hemisphere on sovereignty and border security. Uh, that's just not part of the the agenda for this administration, and it certainly should be. But I can't. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Senator. Uh, Lou, I, I, for the life of me, I can't figure these people out. Uh, as you said, this is not the Democratic Party that you and I knew. Uh, this is the progressive left. The progressives are running the party. Uh, even if there are a few moderate Democrats, they're really scared uh, to make a decision against the progressive left. Um, all the woke uh, uh, identity politic folks. It, it's uh, it's just amazing to watch all this happen. But I will say this: I was in a meeting the other day uh, with uh, Blinken, Secretary of State Blinken, and uh, General Milley, and and Secretary of Defense Austin, and uh, Homeland Security Secretary Mayorkas, and uh, we all had an opportunity to ask questions. And this was pretty much about Ukraine and. And Morocus gets up there and he talks about the borders of Ukraine, how we've got to protect them. And and I'd had enough of it. And uh, my question was, uh, you're so worried about those borders over there, Secretary Morocus. Why in the world don't we do just a little bit of something down on the southern border, southern border where our border patrol is overwhelmed? Drugs are coming in by the by the by the pound, uh, not by the ground, but by the pound. And. This country is going to be in serious trouble, uh, even more to the fact of the crime that we have. And he wouldn't answer my question. He said, well, this is not a proper place to answer, answer the question. He didn't answer it because he doesn't have uh, he doesn't have an answer uh, because they could care less about protecting the taxpayers of this country. They're more worried about getting us in another war over in Ukraine. Yeah, Senator, I've, I've said about on this broadcast on this broadcast, I've said uh, that Mayorkas uh, being in charge of Homeland Security is akin to me uh, putting an arsonist in charge of a fire department. It is outrageous. Uh, this man is a radicalized leftist. Uh, he is, and, and by the way, progressive. It, we should all, I think, acknowledge it. Uh, certainly those of us who are conservative, who are Republican, 
this this is not a progressive party. This is a Marxist party. They are being driven by flat out in our face Marxists and uh, at every turn, and, and including this president who was supposed to be uh, a conciliator. He was supposed to be a bridge, uh, a, 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 if you will, a placeholder. Uh, he is anything but. You would think the man had been elected by 100 million votes and that there were cheering parades in the streets as the, uh, the results were uh, announced that he had indeed been elected. That isn't who he is. He barely got in. He didn't campaign. He was in his basement. And he did not have an agenda remotely uh, approaching uh, the left, uh, the Marxist left direction that he's taken the entire country. Exactly. And you're exactly right. We probably shouldn't use the word progressive. That's just a polite way to say communist, to be honest with you. Yeah. And okay. uh, it, it is, uh, uh, and it's getting worse and worse. I mean, they, but they see the light at the end of the tunnel, or we do see the light at the end of the tunnel if we can somehow gain back control and we can get the Republicans even to vote our way. There's some Republicans that don't vote sometimes the way that we would like to them, but you know, that's, that's part of voting for your state. Uh, right. But I will say this too. I've, you know, the, I'm on the armed services committee and sure. there's not a, a hearing that doesn't go by that. I have either Millie or, or Blinken or, or secretary Austin that I, I raised Kane about this woke military that they're trying to train. You know, God six, bless you. Six million hours, Lou, six million hours that we spent on training uh, all of our uh, military personnel in being, you know, uh, worrying about equity and woke politics, identity politics. And as I told Senator Sector Austin, Sector Austin, your job is not to educate. It is to build a killing machine. And uh, if you're going to continue to down this path, this country is not going to make it. We need people that will fight for this country, that love this country. They're looking, they're trying to run out extremists out, uh, you know, and, and we know that people have different thoughts, but at the end of the day, if you're in the military, you go into the military to protect the United States of America. And uh, we've had a lot of people lose their lives for this country, but now we've got a group in there that wants to absolutely just uh, build a military on, on uh, marshmallows. You know, everybody feel good about themselves. I mean, it, that's not what this is about. It's about discipline, hard work, and fighting for your country. Without question, and you're absolutely right. And I, I want to be sure everybody heard that. I want to make sure I heard that. Six million hours of training, woke training in our military? Exactly. Six million hours. And uh, there's not many days go by that they don't have some kind of uh, training uh, as you know, if they're on, if, 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 unless they're out in the field, but if they're in the classroom, they're, they're going to be talking about, uh, uh, all the things that, uh, the progressive and communist left want to infiltrate, uh, in their minds. And, you know, we're having, we're having, uh, very good, uh, officers and, uh, and un unlisted, uh, personnel all across the military, Lou, they're getting out saying, I, I didn't get in this for the, this reason. I didn't get in here to to learn about, uh, you know, how to really treat people. I know how to treat people. You know, I, I understand how to treat people. Uh, I treat them like every, we're all the same. I don't care if, what color you are, what religion you are. We're all the same, but they are running out, uh, good military people just right and left. And I want to tell you this too, Lou, I had a, we had a meeting, uh, we did a two-year study 
on uh, the accessibility of getting people in the military because we, we don't have enough people that we can take into the military now. Uh, there's about 30 to 35 million every year at a younger age, 18, 19, 20, that are really eligible to be in the military. Uh, 30 to 35 million. And after they go through and kick uh, you know, the qualifications out of having a high school diploma, not having a felony, not doing drugs, all those things, we only have 450,000 people eligible for our military. And it all starts in education. It all starts with moral values. It all starts with family. You know, they're trying to tear down the nuclear family and, yep. and we've got kids out there just running amok and then drugs are just, just killing them. But the communists uh, left, they don't, they don't uh, understand that. They, they think that uh, everybody should uh, just live and, and, and go in the direction of how they direct them, you know, the left. Yeah, and, and for them, of course, they're talking about a combat-ready uh, military uh, readiness. Uh, they don't have to be too worried because right next to their shoulder, then, is a, a Marxist or a communist in China, uh, in Russia. Uh, and to them, it's all just one big happy world, so long as they follow the same ideology. We're talking about one-worlders here, and that world doesn't resemble anything like America. And, and we have people in this country who do not comprehend that basic fundamental reality of politics uh, and the alignment of the two parties uh, with world powers. It, it's, it's deeply disturbing. Well, the one thing that they really did not like President Trump uh, and about was when he got in office, he went straight after China. And China, Lou, is our, our, our problem. Now, now, Russia wants some power. They're very centrally located, regionally located in Europe. China, they want to control the world. And they're working so hard and fast. And unfortunately, uh, our big corporations are funding a lot of the things that uh, by doing business with them that is giving them the money to, to build satellites, to build submarines, to build. They have more ships now in their Navy than we do. And uh, President Trump came in, he put tariffs on them. He was doing the right things, but the progressive communist left do not like us going after China. They want us to leave China alone. Well, I'm a, I got news for them. China's not going to leave us alone. Uh, I do not want to be speaking Chinese here in a few years. And so we need to wake up and smell the roses here and understand that Russia's a problem, but China's the one that wants to take over the world. And they are working every day towards that direction. You know, I, I look at uh, Russia uh, and its designs on, uh, on Ukraine and also, as you mentioned, Belarus, Moldova. I mean, they already have achieved their uh, de facto annexation of Moldova and Belarus. The eastern border of Ukraine is focused on a civil war that's been going on since 2014. It's, exactly. it's, we know how that's going to end. Uh, and we because our Germany, uh, you name it, whatever the country is in Europe, uh, Poland, uh, Hungary, they're just not going to be involved in a conflict. They don't have the wherewithal militarily. They don't have the stomach for it politically. And, and without the United States, nothing will happen to stop Vladimir Putin, in my opinion. Your thoughts? Well, you're exactly right. You know, we bailed Germany out in Europe many, many times. Uh, the United States taxpayer has. We don't need to continue to do that. Now, we are in NATO, and I understand that. And, but this is, this is NATO's fight 
but it's not from our side in, in terms of, hey, I'm for, I'm for helping them, sending them missiles, javelin missiles, anti-tank missiles, and all those things. Uh, uh, but this is Europe's, Europe's problem. Now, uh, do they want to be a communist uh, country in, in all those areas? Most of them don't, but we need to get some help out of, out of Germany. Germany is, is soft peddling this. Uh, President Trump told Merkel, you sign this deal with the, with the pipeline for energy, uh, you're going to sell your soul. And she did. And uh, now they're, they're soft peddling whether or not they're going to do anything about, about the pipeline. But the only good thing that I've heard President uh, Biden say was the situation of you come in, we're going to close the pipeline down. Well, we'll see what happens there because it looks like they're probably going to do some kind of invasion, whether it's a short term or maybe long term. We'll find that out probably in the next few days. Yeah, and uh, or as, uh, as President Biden basically signaled to Vladimir Putin, just so it's a minor incursion, his expression, minor incursion, uh, you know, where we can just talk about it, that'd be fine. I mean, that was, it's just, it's inexplicable that this man is in the White House uh, leading the United States of America and indeed, quote unquote, the free world. Uh, I, I just it's it's hard to it's hard to take some days when you look at what uh, we're dealing with. The good news is the American people are, are awake to what he is. The, his poll numbers are a disaster. Uh, it looks like the Republican Party is going to have a wave election come November because the American people aren't going to put up with any more of this. And and that's a wonderful thing. But there's a lot to be done, including uh, John Durham. Uh, the special counsel and his report uh, to the people in a filing on the factual basis for Hillary Clinton, uh, for the Democratic Party and uh, some very powerful law firms to have gone off, uh, gone after uh, President Trump as both a candidate and a sitting president. It's outrageous. It's beyond belief. And the left wing media still is not reporting the story. They have missed the biggest scandal in this country's history and have done so eagerly, willfully over the course of the past six years. Your thoughts? Never seen anything like it, Lou. It is, uh, we knew it was coming. We just didn't know how bad it was going to be. And it's going to get worse as we go. Every day I walk over from my office to vote in the Capitol, you have to walk by these millennials that are mostly mainstream media. And, you know, they want to ask you questions, this or that. And sure. uh, last few days, they've been asking me questions before I answer. I said, before I answer this, so when, are you, when are you coming out with an article about the Durham report and how bad it is and how bad Hillary Clinton and, and her goons went after and, and pretty much spied on the president of the United States? Is, is that not news? And they look at me like I'm crazy. Uh, but uh, I'm going to continue to do that. And uh, so, sooner or later, they're going to have to they're going to have to start writing this and, and, you know, you and I can talk about it and, and get it out there as much as possible. But until the mainstream media finally decides, says we were wrong, uh, president Trump was, uh, uh, spied on, uh, Hillary Clinton was actually the one in, in charge of the Russia collusion, not president Trump, because they pushed all that narrative and they know now if they admit it, Lou, that they were wrong, they're going to, have to give back their Pulitzer Prizes at the New York Times. Uh, I mean, these people are they're they're, they're uh, I I don't know how to explain them. I mean, they 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 just uh, they don't love this country anymore. They would rather win a Pulitzer Prize than 
than save the United States of America from total destruction by exploding from within with all kinds of things that's going after a sitting president. It's just, it, it's mind boggling to me how we can get to this point. But the NSA director who has still got a job uh, and he knew all about this, uh, uh, it's going to be an interesting few months. And you and I went to Watergate, Lou, uh, and yep. every day, you know, uh, Nixon was taking it from right to left and people were after him. Uh, this should be the same way. Absolutely. Uh, it is, is, and it's far, far worse than Watergate. By, I mean, President Trump is exactly right. It, it's far worse than Watergate, but it's even worse than that. This is the worst scandal in this nation's history. Uh, it is an outrage. Uh, it, is, it is just in, it, it's totally unthinkable that we have let this occur and have watched a president be impeached twice to have a special counsel convened against him, uh, to, for him to be forced to undergo three years of FBI investigation. And not one, one person in the left-wing Marxist corporate-owned media in this country will acknowledge that it's kind of amazing that a person under that kind of scrutiny and that kind of deep uh, investigation doesn't face a single charge. And they don't even ask the question, Gee, I wonder if he is an innocent man persecuted by vile uh, enemies of this nation and the American people. Exactly. And I think, Lou, at the end of the day, you're going you're gonna to find a lot of ties to all these people that went after President Trump that were doing things behind the scenes, uh, whether it was small or large, for four years, even the media, have uh, the, the common denom denominator is going to be China. Yeah. Uh, China is going to be the common denominator between all these things that have happened, all the collusion, all the corruption in the media, all the things that have gone on behind the scenes. And uh, uh, I think you're going to see them start. The rats are going to start running for the hole here pretty soon. Uh, I just I think uh, Durham, I, I, the guy's slow. But, you know, I've talked to people that, that work in the DOJ for him and they've all said, listen, whatever he does, he's going to do it thorough. He's not yeah. going to be fast. He's going to be slow. But when he comes out with something, it's going to be true. And so uh, uh, it's taken a while. Uh, and I hate it for President Trump and really even his family and the country for what, what has happened to, uh, to a sitting president. But uh, this will all come out in the wash. And, uh, you know, I think there's going to be a lot more things come out. And, and uh, you can imagine they're, they're trying to do everything they possibly can in, in the White House and the administration to start blocking things, but I think the cat's out of the bag. Well, I think you're right. And uh, as we conclude here, I'm just going to say one thing. This is my sort of vision of American politics for the next couple of years. I truly believe that Durham will get everything out there so that the Democrats, the, the radical Democrats, the Marxists left in this country will be called to account, including their big fancy law firms, all the, of those who've been involved in this. And, and so my vision is this, that they'll come out in time that the American people will assimilate it, put it together with what they know right now, and President Trump will be reelected president of the United States by acclamation. They won't even have the, they, they will be too ashamed to even put up a candidate. Uh, and I, I know that's a little fanciful, but that's my dream. Yeah. And well, Senator, hey, hey, it doesn't hurt to dream, Lou. It doesn't hurt to dream. <laughs> 
absolutely, especially if you're an American. Uh, I want to just say thanks, uh, Senator, for being here. I wish you a, 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 a safe travels. And you get the last word here on the Great America Show, as always. It, uh, your, your concluding thoughts. Well, th thank you for what you do. Uh, again, I've, I've kept up with you most of my political life as, as a taxpayer. But the one thing I want to tell the American people, everything sounds gloom, gloom and doom, but it's really not. We live in the best place on earth, the United States of America. And this country will survive because of its people, because of the people that love this country. And I'm looking forward to being part of it. Senator, uh, we're delighted you are. And thank you for being with us here on The Great America Show. Thanks to Senator Tuberville for being with us. And thanks also to Gordon Chang, two great Americans. Thanks for listening. Hope to see you tomorrow. Our guest will be another great American, Joel Pollack, the senior editor-at-large for Breitbart News and host of Breitbart on Sirius XM Patriot 125. Looking forward to our discussion tomorrow. Hope you'll be with us. Till then, God bless you, and God bless America. Join us again tomorrow for the Great America podcast. Stay in the fight. Truth, justice, and the American way will prevail against all enemies, against all odds.